0: Thanks to this season's presenting sponsor, Driscoll's. Only the finest berries.
1: Hello, young chefs, and welcome back to Mystery Recipe.
0: I'm Molly Birnbaum, editor in chief of America's Test Kitchen Kids.
1: And I'm Mitzi, oven mitt, Molly's right hand gal, and co host on the show. And who is that? Oh, this is Basil. He's a plant. I love
0: him. Nice to meet you, Basil. Every week on Mystery Recipe, we'll be talking about the fun, fantastical, and fascinating sides of a different kitchen ingredient.
1: Plus, at the end of the season, we'll use all the ingredients to cook a mystery recipe together. Can you guess what it is yet? So far, we know we'll be using cinnamon and vegetable oil.
0: Today is day two of vegetable oil week.
1: That's right. Today, we're on the slippery slope of science in our tricky trivia segment, followed by a resourceful guest in Ask a Grown-Up.
0: And we'll fry this episode to a crispy finish with our friend Andrea in how-to time.
1: Molly, can I introduce you to Basil now? Basil. Molly. Molly. Basil. Basil. Basil is a basil plant.
0: I can see that.
1: Greg gave him to me as a gift, and I love him. And I learned if you talk to him, he likes it, because plants like being talked to.
0: That's very true.
1: Basil is also from
0: England. Is he really?
1: Uh, no, but but the name sounds much cooler that way.
0: That's also very true.
1: Basil, want to send us to the theme song? Huh, that's okay. I'll do it. To the theme song! Looks good I bet it tastes good
2: Ooh. That sounds easy enough Sounds almost
0: fun, actually
1: Mystery recipe Molly, do you have any pointers for taking care of a plant?
0: Sure, I would say make sure he's in a place that gets plenty of sun
1: Plenty of sunny sun sun Okay, got it
2: And don't overwater him. Greg, hey, buddy. Hello. Yes, you don't want to give a plant too much water. Just give them a bit when the soil feels dry, but not every day. Love that advice. Thank you, Greg.
1: Hear that, basil old lad? Just enough water to keep your head high. Not going to have you swimming in the Thames or nothing.
0: So what are you going to make with basil, Mitzi? Excuse me? What recipes were you thinking about using basil in? You can do pesto, maybe, or put them on a pizza.
1: Molly, basil is right here. He can hear you. We're friends and colleagues, and I won't be using basil in
2: cooking. Well, you don't use the whole plant, Mitzi. Most herbs, like basil, are meant to be used in cooking. That's why I got them for you. Really?
0: Oh, yeah. Eventually, basil will stop growing new leaves, and he'll want you to pluck some to encourage him to grow more. It doesn't hurt. It just encourages new growth.
1: Well, I'm all about encouraging growth.
2: Plus we get pizza.
0: That too.
1: Huh. Okay. I've got to go find a sunny spot for this little bugger. Thanks again for the gift, Greg. I love it. I mean him. Basil.
2: Oh, (laughs) no problem. I'm really glad to hear that you do.
0: Well, Greg, it's time for tricky trivia. I'm going to give you a fact about our ingredient theme, and you have to help our listeners guess if it's true or false. Are you ready to play? (gasps) I believe I am, Molly, if I'm being honest. So just some knowledge we'll all need before we start. Any oil that comes from a plant source can be called vegetable oil. With that in mind, Greg, true or false? In the United States, canola oil is the most consumed type of vegetable oil.
2: Oh, Molly, that's a good question. I know Monty told us about canola oil the other day, and I see it right there on the shelf next to vegetable oil at the grocery store and last season. Great stuff, by the way, Molly. I really enjoyed it. Thanks, Greg. I know I heard you tell Parker that vegetable oil can be made from a blend of different oils. But I just can't remember what type of oil you said is usually used in vegetable oil. Some type
0: of... bean. You're on the right track. Hmm. Beans.
2: Beans, beans, beans. Kidney bean? No. Lima bean. No, that's not right either. Uh, Pinto bean? Jelly bean. Beanie baby. Bean bag chair. Okay, I'm getting way off the track now.
0: That's okay. You're so close. So close. So
2: close to the right bean. So close to bean. So bean. Wait a minute. Molly, I've got it.
0: Soybean. Do you know the answer to our question now?
2: Indeed I do. I believe the answer is false, Molly. The most consumed type of vegetable oil is actually soybean oil, I do believe.
0: That's correct, Greg. Wow, I'm so impressed that you remembered that from last season.
2: Well, I've got a pretty good memory, and you've got a pretty memorable podcast. Also, I just listened to the episode
0: yesterday, so there's that. Soybean oil is the most consumed vegetable oil in the U.S. In 2019, we consumed over 10 million tons of soybean oil. That's almost 30 times heavier than the Empire State Building.
2: Oh, that's a lot of oil.
0: It really is. Listeners, if you guessed canola oil, you are really close. That's the second most consumed vegetable oil in the U.S.
2: You almost tricked me too, Molly.
0: Almost. On to the next one. True or false. Crisco, a brand that makes vegetable shortening, got its name due to its creamy texture, ability to make crispy food, and the fact that it's made from cooking oil. They put all of those words together, creamy, crispy, and cooking oil, and shortened it to Crisco.
2: Crisco? More like Chris, complicated
0: <laughs> But I
2: really don't know what the right answer is. It sounds like it could be true. So, uh, I'm just going to go for it. True.
0: This one is actually false. Crisco's name actually comes from the phrase crystallized cottonseed oil. The original formula was made from hydrogenated cottonseed oil, but now it's made from a blend of different oils. Crystallized
2: cottonseed oil just doesn't have the same ring to it as Crisco. Does it, Molly?
0: No, it's not as cool as Crisco. Best
2: enjoyed in San Francisco.
0: Or possibly at a disco.
2: Nice one, Molly, Isco.
0: Let's move on. Here's your last piece of trivia. To get fried food super crispy, the temperature of the frying oil should be as high as possible.
3: Hmm.
2: Well, Molly, my first instinct is to say true. If I want hot crispy French fries then the oil should be really, really hot. But I know that sometimes when I cook things on the stove and turn up the heat too high, the outside of whatever I'm cooking can burn before the inside is fully cooked. Can it really be that simple? I also know that this game is called Tricky Trivia. I think that logically, I should go with false
0: That's correct, Greg. Nice job trusting your gut on that one. While you definitely need oil to be hot in order to fry food, it is possible for your oil to get too hot. You might need really hot oil in some recipes, but hotter isn't always better. French fries were actually a good example. If you want crispy French fries, it's better to use oil that's a little cooler, around 325 degrees. If your oil is too hot, the outside of the fries will burn, and you'll have uncooked potato in the center of the fry.
2: Talk about informative. That was a whole educational experience. Molly,
1: Craig, look at this. Can you get the door, Chad?
0: Yeah, sure. Mitzi, what is all this?
1: Well, I found a nice sunny spot for Basil, but I kept thinking of things I wanted to tell him, and so I was running back and forth for a while until finally our friend and producer, Chad...
4: Hi! Uh,
1: yeah, Chad told me I was being a little distracting, so he set me up with this grow lamp.
4: Ooh, what's that? It's a lamp that gives off the same kind of light as the sun.
1: Right, so Basil doesn't need to sit by the window anymore. But then the lamp was getting heavy, so Chad gave me this nice cart so I could wheel Basil around.
2: Well, that sure was nice of him. I'd try.
1: Yeah, but then we realized that we needed enough extension cords to at least reach the studio here.
4: Which is kind of a lot of extension cords.
1: I think the cords are the toughest part. You have to, like, wrap them around your arms when you push them around, but it's okay. It's worth it. You're worth it, Basil.
0: Um, Mitzi, those cables are all over the hallway.
1: Uh, maybe. Maybe.
0: Metsy. I know you love talking to Basil, but I don't really think this is a practical solution.
1: Uh, sorry, Molly, but what do you mean by practical?
0: Yeah,
2: I would like to know that, too, if I'm being honest.
0: Practical means efficient or likely to succeed. If an idea will work in real life and not just in theory or in your head, then it's practical.
2: Huh. So, like, how... Technically, the grow light is still on for Basil, and they made it to the studio, so the idea worked. But it wasn't practical, because now there's cables running all through the hallway, and things are sort of a mess.
0: Exactly, Greg.
4: Well,
2: I suppose that makes
4: sense. Sorry, Mitzi. How about, instead of telling Basil every thought you have the moment you have it, you can keep a little notebook? write things down, and then go and talk to Basil about everything at once at the end of the day.
1: Uh, yeah. Sounds like a good idea to me.
4: Very practical.
1: Very. All right, I think that's a plan. Want to help me put this stuff away, Chad?
4: Actually, I think it's time for Ask a Grown-Up.
1: Good point. Uh, Greg, are you busy? Could you give me a hand here?
2: Oh, I'd be happy to help, boss.
1: Okie dokie. Just grab those cables there, and I'll push. We'll be back, Molly. Watch your head there, Basil!
0: We'll be right back too after this word from our sponsors. Grown-ups, these ads are for you. Hey grown-ups! I want to tell you about our sponsor, the Kroger family of stores. If you're anything like me, it's easy to let grocery shopping fall to the bottom of your to-do list. Kroger's Grocery Delivery Service has taken the stress out of the process. You don't even need to leave your house. Shop online and get fresh groceries delivered to your house in as little as an hour. Shopping couldn't be simpler. It's easy to find the items you buy often, or you can search for exactly what you're looking for. Then schedule a delivery time that works for you, and get back to what matters most. Save time and order online with Kroger's Grocery Delivery. Learn more at kroger.com. Hey, grown-ups! Today, I want to tell you all about mangoes and how mangoes are a superfood. I talked to Michael Warren from the National Mango Board to find out exactly what that means. Michael, what is a superfood?
3: A superfood is a food that will accentuate nutrition and health. And if I had my way, it would taste good as well.
0: Why are mangoes considered a superfood?
3: They have 20 vitamins and minerals in them. Big in vitamin C, they have vitamin B's, vitamin A, it's a source of folate and copper.
0: How can one fruit be both delicious and super good for you?
3: Well, they squeezed it all into a mango.
0: If you want to know more about what makes mangoes super, you can head to mango.org slash mystery recipe. And we're back. And our friend and producer, Chad, is here to talk to us a little bit about being green. Is that right, Chad?
4: That is right, Molly. Now, I bet a lot of our listeners already know what it means to be green.
0: Right. When you do something that's good for the environment or our planet.
4: Exactly. Recycling, bringing your own shopping bag with you when you go grocery shopping, doing your laundry on cold, these are all great ways to be more green but today I wanted to talk to someone about how to make some of the cars we drive a little more green.
0: Can you buy recycled cars?
4: Maybe. I don't actually know. But I do know that you can reuse our theme ingredient this week, vegetable oil, as fuel for cars.
0: That sounds very green.
4: It really is. But it's also really complicated. And so I went and found a pro.
3: I had my first vegetable oil powered car when I was like 20, and now I'm 38 years old. So it's been 18 years that I've been in the vegetable oil conversion.
4: Farhad Afrazadi used to be a vegetable oil mechanic, which is totally a real thing. But now?
3: I own and operate Green Drop Garage in Portland, Oregon.
4: Green Drop Garage is an eco-friendly car maintenance and repair shop.
0: What makes them so eco-friendly?
4: Good question.
3: A few data points on on what makes us so eco-friendly, the motor oils we use are re-refined motor oils. All our chemicals, cleaners are low VOC or enzyme-based to offset all our carbon dioxide emissions. We're uh, net zero carbon emitting.
4: So lots of big words there, but ultimately he just means that every choice they make, they choose to do what is better for the planet. From the materials they use in the shop to where they buy and wash their uniforms, they take the environment into consideration every time. And one of the biggest ways that they are eco-friendly is by converting diesel cars to use vegetable oil as fuel.
0: What does that mean exactly?
4: Let's start at the beginning. I asked Farhad to tell us what fuel is.
3: So fuel is just something that you burn to get heat Fuel is something, you know, like when you burn wood or you burn a candle, there's like this flame, and it gets hot. Basically, a car moves forward
4: when fuel enters the engine. The engine literally sets that fuel on fire, and that tiny little explosion moves a part of the engine called the piston. It's sort of complicated from here on out, but the tiny explosions of fuel in a car's engine create motion in the piston, which then ultimately
3: makes the wheels move. Now, vegetable oil burns a lot like the fuel you put in a car. So all you got to do is kind of change up some of the things inside a car, like the engine, to accept the vegetable oil to burn it just like you would burn fuel. So only difference after you do it is that when you burn it, the exhaust smells like french fries.
0: Sounds like a win-win to me.
4: Me too. Now, not every car can run on vegetable oil, and so we can't all go run out and tell our parents to switch over to using vegetable oil cars. For a lot of complicated reasons, only cars that use a special type of fuel called diesel fuel can
3: be converted. But that's still a lot of cars. You'll probably know what a diesel car sounds like because you can, and they sound like trucks almost. Like whenever you see a big truck going by, it's a diesel truck.
0: These diesel trucks probably need a lot of fuel though, don't they? Wouldn't we run out of vegetable oil to cook with if trucks were using it all for fuel?
3: Oh, so this is the fun part. So instead of going and buying vegetable oil that's supposed to be used in kitchens and in deep fryers to make french fries and all that stuff, we go to the restaurants after they use the oil. So after they deep fry your chicken nuggets, your fish sticks, your french fries, we go to the back of the restaurant and we're like garbage men. We take the oil and then we use that in our cars. So we're actually using a waste. So the oil's already been used as a, in deep fryer, and instead of them throwing it away, we take it and use it for uh, burning it in our cars.
4: So not only are these trucks using less diesel fuel, but they are recycling waste oil from fast food restaurants in the
0: process.
3: Correct, yeah. And it's also kind of fun because you make friends along the way, Uh, You get a little dirty, but you also get fed by the restaurants, too.
0: Sounds like a great plan to me.
4: I thought so, too. I had one more question for Farhad. Why is recycling and why is being eco-friendly so important to you at Green Drop Garage?
3: Well, I think that we all have a duty to care about our neighbors and the planet as much as we can. So because it's our duty to do that, for me, it's hard to not do that because I feel like I'm being a little selfish when I don't consider other people. So if we make a mess around us uh, in our city or in our environment, it affects people that I don't even know, and I don't think that's really fair. And I want to do my small part to make sure that people 10 years from now or 100 years from now are less impacted by the decisions I make today.
4: Turns out, doing the right thing for the environment can sometimes smell like french fries. Thanks, Chad. Thank you, Molly. I'll talk to you again next week. For now, I'm going to go check in on Greg and Mitzi.
1: No need, Chad. We are back and better than ever. Are we? Well, we are back. And Basil's got his windowsill, and I told him I'd come twice a day to
0: tell him all the things.
4: Perfect. Well, bye, Mitzi. Bye, Greg. I'll see you soon, Molly.
0: Bye. Hey, Greg. Think you're feeling up for another segment?
2: If you are referring to how-to time then I am most certainly feeling ready.
0: Great. Well, Greg, we want you to practice your cooking techniques while you're our intern this season. And so every week, our friend Andrea is going to teach you something new to up your arsenal of kitchen skills.
1: That's right. Ah, there's Andrea now!
0: Andrea is a test cook here at America's Test Kitchen Kids. That means she works on developing recipes and experiments for our cookbooks and things like the Young Chefs Club boxes. You can find out more about all that fun stuff by going to atkkids.com. Hi,
5: friends.
1: Hi, Andrea. I'm so excited you're here. Last season, Parker learned how to measure out oil and other liquid ingredients in vegetable oil week. What's Greg going to learn in How-To Time
5: Part 2? Well, today I'm going to teach you about coating a pan with oil, and heating it up.
2: Oh, boy.
5: You're sounding a little trepidatious there, Greg. What's
2: up? I'm not sure what trepidatious means, but I am feeling nervous.
5: Right. Trepidatious is just another word for nervous.
2: Oh, well, then that's true. I am a bit trepidatious. It's just, it's vegetable oil week, and oil is, well, oily. It sure is. I'm sensitive to textures, is all. If it's okay with you, I'd rather not get oil on my hands while we're learning, if I'm being honest.
5: Oh, don't worry about that. We won't actually be touching the oil. We're going to stay nice and clean. You sure? Positive. (sighs) Okay, now I'm excited. Now, are you ready to get started? Yes. So when you're cooking something in a saucepan or a skillet on the stove, sometimes the recipe will tell you to coat the pan in oil and heat until shimmering. Do you know what that means? Well, I think
2: coating the pan in oil probably means just making sure the oil is spread out
5: and not only in one spot. That's right, Greg, nice one. Coating the pan in oil means exactly that. You want the bottom of the pan to be coated as evenly as possible with oil so that when you add your ingredients, they all touch the oil. If we just poured oil in one spot and then added the ingredients, it would be harder to get them all coated, plus they might stick to the bottom of the pan.
2: And that wouldn't be good at all.
5: Nope. So, the best way to coat the bottom of the pan is to hold it by the handle, or handles if there are two, and tip it to the sides and sort of swirl it in a circular motion. Whew, that sounds easy enough. Sounds almost fun, actually. It is, and remember, it doesn't have to be perfect. You want an even coating, but it's hard to get every single spot covered.
2: That's helpful to remember. It doesn't have to be perfect. Good enough is good enough. But what about the other thing you'd said?
5: Heat until shimmering.
2: Right, shimmering. Isn't that a dance move? You know, when you shake your shoulders back and forth?
5: (laughs) Yeah. No, Greg, that's shimmying. Shimmering means heating the oil in the pan until it begins to move slightly.
2: Move? Like shimmy?
5: Sort of. It's a little hard to describe, but maybe you can help. Me? Yeah. Let's use this vegetable oil and pan here to practice. I'm going to coat this pan in oil. How about you describe to our listeners what I'm doing, and then let me know when you think the oil has reached a shimmer.
2: Okay. Here goes nothing. Listeners, Andrea is pouring the oil in. She is tipping the pan left and right. Now forward, now backward. Oh, you're right, it is hard to get all the spots covered, even for a pro like yourself.
5: That's true, but once we turn the stove on and the oil starts to heat up, it will move around more easily. It's so much easier, in fact, that I usually don't try to coat a pan until after it heats up a bit and becomes more liquidy. That's also a good indicator that it's getting close to shimmering. Here, I'll put this pan down on the stove and we'll turn the heat to medium. For a small amount of oil like this, we only used about a tablespoon, and it should take one to two minutes for it to shimmer. Okay, Uh, how will we know if we've missed it? That's a great question. When oil is shimmering, it's hot, but not smoking. If you see any smoke rising from the oil, that means it's too hot. If there are just some tiny wisps of smoke, that means you should turn the temperature down. If it really starts smoking, though, then you should turn off the stove, move the pan off the hot burner, and start with new oil. That sounds a little... Scary. Should I be scared? I think we should be careful, not scared. That's why we're practicing and learning. Listeners, you should always check with a grown-up before you use the stove and make sure there's a grown-up around to help you. Right. Okay, let's take a look at your oil. It's been about two minutes. What do you see?
2: Hmm, it looks a little different than before. Almost like it has tiny little waves in it. They're not easy to see, but they're there. Also, I can move the pan around and get those spots the oil wouldn't
5: go before. It's almost like water now, less thick. Those are great observations, Greg, and all correct. If we were cooking a recipe, now would be the time to add our first ingredients to the pan. The oil is at the perfect stage, hot and shimmering, but not smoking. Since we're not cooking anything, though, we can turn off the stove and move the pan to a cool burner. We wouldn't want it to start smoking. Right. And with that, we are done for today. Bye, everyone. See you next week. That's so cool.
1: Yes, seriously. I didn't know that either. Uh, I can't wait to tell Basil. Speaking of, it looks like it's about the end of the day for us here.
0: That's right. But don't worry. We'll be back soon with another oily episode. We'll be playing hot and cold with our pressing questions segment, followed by some game show fun in our wild card.
1: And remember, at the end of the season, we'll be using all of our ingredients in a very special mystery recipe to cook together. Can you guess what it is?
0: If you love Mystery Recipe, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. That way, you won't miss an episode. And feel free to leave us a review. We love reading them. Until then, keep keep on on cooking. cooking. Mystery Recipe is hosted by me, Molly Burnbaum, and I am a chocolate croissant. Chad Chennai is our writer and producer. He is Eggs Benedict. Our executive producer is Caitlin Kelleher. She's a breakfast burrito. Scoring, sound design, and mixing by Anya Jeshik and Matt Boynton of Ultraviolet Audio. They are two eggs over easy with a side of corned beef hash. Jonathan Roberts composed our theme music and is a Pop-Tart. Our post-production supervisor is Jen Margolis. She's French toast. Our line producer is Diane Knox, who is also an omelet. Jack Bishop is the chief creative officer of America's Test Kitchen. He's two double lattes. David Nussbaum is our CEO, and he's a blueberry pancake. Special thanks to our senior science editor, Paul Adams, Executive Editor Kristen Sargianis. Executive Food Editor Susanna McFerrin. Senior Editors Afton Cyrus and Ali Velez Aldifer. Test Cooks Andrea Vavjen and Cassandra Laughlin. Assistant Editors Katie O'Hara and Tess Berger. And Assistant Test Cook Kristen Bango. Andrea Vavjen and Katie O'Hara were contributing writers on this episode. This episode featured the voices of Kira O'Sullivan and Jonathan Cormer. Thanks again to our sponsors, Kroger, the National Mango Board, and Automot. Mystery Recipe is a production of America's Test Kitchen Kids.
2: Hey, Mitzi! Do you know why basil works so good in soups?
1: Why is that, Greg?
2: Because it's soup herb.
1: <laughs> Heyo! <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hi grown-ups. I wanted to tell you a little bit about our newsletter. If you love the fun food content we share on Mystery Recipe, then sign up today for our ATK Kids newsletter to receive even more recipes, activities, and stories from me straight to your inbox. As a mom of two, I always try to include things that are important to my family. And it's a great way to hear about all the new things we are cooking up at ATK.